Googs is on Twitter at GooksM. It's uh, 29 minutes before 10 o'clock. You are still on Night Talk on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Googs and Flungo. And as always, on a Friday, we hang out with a South African doing great things. And this week, joined in studio by Nogwazi Mzobe, who's doing her bit um, to assist small businesses uh, who could have potentially lost out on business advice due to language barrier. How we found her is um, her business handbook in Isizulu uh, has now uh, been launched uh, through her business consulting company. And so we wanted to speak to her about the work she's doing. Nukwazi, good evening. Good evening, Gugu. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. So, okay, so you run a business consultancy company called uh, Matoyana. Did yes. I say that correctly? Yes. And so, and recently you've just released your, your business handbook, uh, which is also in English in Isizulu. Yes. Why that decision? Well, I think for us, um, the big thing is that we want to make business knowledge or entrepreneurial knowledge accessible. Yeah. And um, so when we were kind of brainstorming in the office and also when I was training, I had a few people start asking me to explain things in Vernac. Mm. And, you know, and after a while, we're just like, well, why aren't we making this available in our indigenous languages? And so that's how we, we got to translating it into Isizul. Okay. And your background is in uh, a business. Uh, you're the MD of uh, the, the Matoyana consultancy uh, firm. Yes. Um, you've also then, uh, you started up, um, in fact, no, you were recently selected as one of the top 80 startups uh, for the 22 on Sloan residency program. You've also worked in multinationals sort of across the world, yeah. uh, Middle East, Africa, and you have a, 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 a science degree uh, yeah. from UKZN, an MBA that you're doing. So you're, you are firmly rooted in, in business. Yes, firmly. How does that happen? When do you decide that business is the thing you want to do? And, and, and not just business as in running someone else's business, as an entrepreneur. You know, Kuku, I actually come from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, you know, my, my parents had, and my business had businesses in, in the township. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, we grew up, um, helping in the butchery and helping, um, in the shop. And so I think that was always there. But somehow with, um, I guess growing up and parents valuing a certain type of career and education, you know, I did a Bachelor of Science because I, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And um, after my first year, I realized, no, this is not for me. Uh-huh. But I was not willing to change subjects. I just wanted to um, get my degree in record time. Uh-huh. And I did that. Ended up doing psych. And um, didn't enjoy that either and ended up in corporate. And that's when I realized that, shucks, I actually enjoy this. I enjoy um, logistics, marketing, finance. Mm. And and I just realized that, you know, business is in my blood. Mm. And I guess whilst being in corporate and, and working in, in different areas and in different, um, you know, I worked in FMCG and, and telco, I, I realized that, 
you know, you work so hard, especially when you work for multinationals. Um, what if I could do this for myself? And, and so I think for me, that's when it kind of started when I was still, still five years working in corporate mm. that I started exploring ideas about starting a business, um, with friends, we'd write business plans, but that never kind of, um, get anywhere until I decided to quit my job, go do my MBA in, in the States. And I think being in an environment that's very entrepreneurial, when I got back home, I just thought to myself, I can't go back. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't go back to corporate. And um, so I started volunteering and I volunteered um, at a program that Gibbs had, the 10,000 Women um, Entrepreneurship Program. Mm-hmm. And it literally went from um, volunteering to some businesses saying, I'm willing to pay you for this. Um, is this an actual business? Mm-hmm. And initially the answer was no. Um, and then enough people came to me to eventually for me to start saying, yes, um, you know, it, this it, is it, what it, I do. This is what I do. This is a business. And, um, and four years later, this is, this is where I'm at today. Okay. So, so entrepreneurship has always been a thing that's been around you, sort yes. of in your home and, and what your parents were doing. You then go corporate and then you decide to become an entrepreneur. So, and, and, and you, your entrepreneurship is in the sense that you're, you, you consult, you share your business knowledge. Yes. Which is, and even that as an, as an idea of entrepreneurship is for a lot of people, you don't think of that as, as entrepreneurship because often we're told you know we need to start uh small businesses either making stuff or selling stuff yes. or but never quite around skills so w- what you have as a skill or your knowledge or your specialization that can be your business so what is, and, and you say you were volunteering but when do you realize that this thing that i'm doing this thing that i can do mm-hmm. can be a business and i you know and this will be the thing i do I think, you know, it's, it's literally when people start to say to you, I'm willing to pay for your skills. I think for me, you know, I spent like six to seven months volunteering. And, and when people asked, I'd be like, no, don't worry, don't pay. I, I really undervalued my skills in the beginning because exactly what you were saying. I come from an environment where you sell meat or you you sell um, cakes or whatever. So You sell a, a tangible Tangible product. products, yeah. yes. And even though, I mean, I'm fully aware and I was, I've always been fully aware of consulting services, I mean, the McKinsey's and the, Delo- and the Deloitte's and such. It just, I, I never thought that as an individual, I could just wake up and start a consulting firm. Mm. Um, but I guess to answer your question, it's when people say, you know, please come in and help me with this. I am willing to pay. And I think for me, that willingness to pay um, was the shift into, um, you know, the skill actually become becoming a commodity that people needed. Mm. Mm. And so, which then means you start dealing with uh, people who, like you, either want to start something or in the middle of building something or in the middle of running something. And for uh, a lot of people, there's a lot of, you know, there's a, people are desperate for knowledge. People are desperate for, you know, how to do it. Yes. Uh, what do I need to know? Where do I need to go? Which, you know, what sector do I need to, to be in? So, when you know, in your work, what are some of the concerns that entrepreneurs have, particularly young entrepreneurs who, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure on them to mm-hmm. say, we need you to start stuff. We need you to, you know, employ yourselves, employ other people, etc. 
But I always get the sense that we're not telling young people how to do that. We mm-hmm. tell them the what. Yes. We need you to start these SMMEs to create work for yourselves and others. But the mm-hmm. how. Yeah. I think, you know, interestingly, what I find with young entrepreneurs is that a lot of the times they'll say to you, I have an idea. Mm. I have an idea, but I need money. Mm. And then it's just, it's, it's a continuous message. It's, I need money. Oh, and the second message is, how do I start? Um, I have this idea, but then how do I? Yes. How do I, how do I get it going? Um, what do I do from, to go from an idea to actually having a business? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if, if I go back to the, the, the financing part, um, I think for me, it, it, it's, part of what I do is is actually kind of open up the youngsters' minds in terms of getting them to think about, you know, you got to start with what you have right now. Um, I think a lot of times we want to start a business and have something perfect um, the next day. And so we, mm. we believe that we need to be sourcing a whole lot of money in order to build this perfect entity that will immediately make money the next day. And I think it's about getting youngsters to understand that they can start with the little that they have and, and just slowly start to generate, I guess, money themselves or even just generate um, consumers and, and demand um, from people around them. And, and, and I think for me, that's probably the one big thing of trying to bust the myth of I need money to start. Um, that's the one part. And I think, you know, the how to start for me is almost, it's just starting. You know, if, if you have an idea of I, I want to have a bakery, hmm. why don't you just start by baking stuff at home mm-hmm. and starting to sell to people? And, and that's what I always try get people to start thinking about to say, you know, um, yes, we're taught you need to write this amazing business plan and of the perfect business. But the reality is that it takes you a long time to really get to that. And I don't even think there's a perfect business, but you know, you got to start somewhere and it's about just getting people to understand what is step number one yeah. and this is what you have to do. Okay. So, and that, and that I guess complicates or, uh, or explains the reality of entrepreneurship a little bit more, right? So the idea that for instance, um, you're going to start and it won't be a roaring success. Yeah. Right. So in fact, we know the first mm, six to 24 months, sometimes 36 mm-hmm. months, depending on the kind of business it is, are usually the most kind of risky for business. It's yeah. do or die. You yes. either you will either succeed or it will, you know, collapse. Yeah. And with it, whatever investment, time, money, resources that you've put into it. Now the trouble is, many people then get into business because um, there's kind of an urgent need. So I I need to start making money now, now. or you know, or I only have enough for the next. Mm, Say six months. Yeah. And after that, it needs to make it, it needs, needs to make money. Yes. So then, you know, what do we do about that? That often when people do go into business, they're not flush with money that will keep them going for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can afford to, you know, like, you, for instance, it was, I think, ETV mm-hmm. only started making a profit, I think, after year seven. You know, broadcast, for instance, media is quite a, uh, an expensive business. It takes a while to start making money. Yeah. 
And if you and generally it's backed by people with very deep pockets. If I'm Gogs starting a thing, I need it to work now. immediately. So and you know, so what do we what do we do there? What do we say to young people who get into business very often because you know, stuff needs to happen and, and happen now. But the truth is business is a funny thing. Mm-hmm. It takes time, sometimes things fail, sometimes they stop and start. You know, Google, you know, when you talk about that for me, it's it's almost a conflicting issue because um, I always, in a sense, here to check my privilege to know that, you know, I was also quite aware that when I started my consulting firm, I I started when there, there was a demand. And even when I was volunteering, I was able to volunteer because I had something there. And I know I had a fallback plan in terms of if, if it doesn't work out, this is what I can tap into. Or I can speak to my older brother or my older sister to kind of help me out. Yeah. But the reality is that the majority of young South Africans don't have that. And, um, you know, I wrote a, a blog once where I just said, should we even consider... Um, something like a living wage for for a young entrepreneur starting up so that they at least have something yeah. that keeps them going, you know. But a conflicting school of thought would say to you, no, you you can't give somebody a living wage because entrepreneurship is about solving problems yeah. and about being able to, yes, if you're not generating revenues within a specific um, amount of time, then you need to be enterprising because um, that's what entrepreneurship is about. It's about, you know, being creative and finding different ways to generate income. And um, so for me... In an ideal world, I would almost say, could you find something that can generate revenue to keep you kind of moving over, I'm ticking over, Mm -hmm. whilst you are building this thing? But the thing is, is that's not, with 27.7% unemployment, right, that is not the reality for most South African youngsters, yeah, um, and so it it does it does make it tough, and um, it 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 means that there are reliance on on other people, yeah. on on family, on friends, um, and that's why you know you'll have people saying, "I need money," because it's not just that you know a friend put it nicely. He said, "Sometimes I think youngsters, they're solving for income." Mm. They're solving for income. They're not necessarily solving a problem that can become an enterprise one day that will grow as a business. They are, as you were saying, they're starting businesses in order to make money so that they can live. And for me, and that's where it really becomes quite tricky. Hmm. It's a tough one. Yes. Okay. And then one of the other big things um, that comes up is information. Yeah. And the small business handbook that your consultancy company does is about that. Yes. So what is in the small business handbook? And I, I and I see you were you were specific that it is for small businesses. Yes. I assume this means in that small businesses have particular information needs. So yes. So the reason why I. I I really targeted small businesses was that with part of what I do, I, um, I do mentorship. And so I found myself mentoring on, on different, um, accelerators and incubators and startup programs. And after a while, I started seeing, um, consistently the same issues. It, it, it was almost irrespective of w- what industry um, we were working with. Mm. And, and so what the, infor- the information that the book has, it starts off with 
the first thing is just, you know, you're starting a business. Have you done any research? Yeah. And um, it's, it's just overwhelming how many people actually don't sit down and really take time to do research and understand simple thing, just who their target market is. You know, you hear so many times. So who are you selling to? Everybody. But not everybody is your client. Yeah, or anyone yeah, who buys. Yes. You know, um, and so, or, you know, uh, an example like using, because we have um, a section on branding. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a, a lady that we were mentoring and I saw this logo um, of a construction business. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, that looks so familiar, you know? And, and so I said, did you, did you get somebody to design it for you? She's like, no, I heard that I needed to have a logo. So, so I downloaded one. So I saw something on Google and I, yeah. And I use that and, and just like, well, you, you can't do that, yeah. you know? Um, and so we, we explain a bit about branding. We get a lot of things, um, questions around marketing. How mm-hmm. do I market myself? There's a myth that marketing is expensive. And yeah. so, um, then we, we, we basically give a guideline on how to market for a small business, mm-hmm. but also thinking about as a small business, you have a limited budget. So how, can you be creative around that? We touch on um, BE um, so people can understand in terms of how can they leverage that. Um, we touch on HR. You, you know, when you talk about um, businesses failing, um, we we always think cash flow and we, we also think, okay, maybe the, the, the person who runs the business was incompetent, but sometimes they just don't know how to manage a team. And, um, and so just guiding people in terms of, you know, um, where can you download a, um, a contract? Um, understanding the basic conditions of employment in South Africa, because sadly our labor law doesn't distinguish whether you're a small business or whether you're a big prime media, big company, yeah. right? You, you, you need to comply to the labor law. So, so um, we have 17 chapters that really where we start from market research, business modeling, marketing, all the way to just understanding finance, understanding the tax brackets, um, to presenting yourself and even customer service and, and even a guideline on what exactly is required inside a business plan when you're thinking of, you know, writing one and applying for funding and so forth. Okay. And all of this within a tight budget? Yes, a very tight budget. What kind of budget are we talking? You know, um, honestly, Google, the, the, the English version, mm. I, I was, I would say I was quite enterprising. Yeah. I, I actually, um, costed for it within the project I was doing with a client. And basically what I kind of said to them is that if you would be um, I'm willing to give you the first edition within your project and then the second second edition, the copyright remains mine and I'm able to to put the book out there. And so within that, then I was able to to almost bootstrap it within a project that I was doing. Um, And then thereafter, it, it wasn't that expensive because I just removed certain things that were specific to the client and and then I just did most of the work myself. Um, so that's how I was kind of able to manage the cost because a lot of it was me. Yeah. The other part is that I, the like the design and everything, I actually work with other small businesses. Mm. Um, and so um, sometimes there was exchange of services that helped with um, managing the cost. With the Zulu book, it was a bit more expensive because... Um, 
I would say probably within the range of um, 50 to 100K. Okay. Um, because, you know, I, I had to, I had to work with professional translators and not just one. Uh, I needed two because, um, I needed it to be, uh, ensure that it actually read as Isi Zulu and didn't read as a translation. And, um, and also because it was a business, um, it is business terminology. Um, not everybody can trans, translate around business terminology. So I needed a bit more expertise, which are a bit more expensive. Um, but, but that comes to the point that, so we, so we have people who are able to do this. Yes. Because often the, I mean, when we speak about, for instance, academia, about why we can't teach, Science, business, any kind of science, business science in Isizulu. Mm-hmm. And I mean, UKZN has proven it's possible. They can yes. do this. They've been doing this. They've been building academic uh, work or research in uh, vernacular, vernacular languages. languages. But often we hear, no, well, you know, one of the big barriers is that we don't have uh, stuff in languages and we don't have the stuff in languages because the language doesn't exist. exist yeah. Um, and so here, did you find that? Uh, the people you were working with were tapping into existing language or as we sometimes need to do to develop a language, we were developing words. Mm -hmm. So when we say bootstrapping, so there's this idea of bootstrapping, Mm -hmm. you touched on it as well. Then we must find a way to say that in Chitsonga Mm -hmm. or Zulu or Tswana. So when you guys were doing the Zulu version of this book, Mm -hmm. how much of it was existing terminology? And some of it was actually as you were going, going, well, we need to actually create the language. So I think what we mainly did with this book is that it's mainly existing terminology because the way I wrote the um, the English version of the small business handbook is for me business books are intimidating and we turn, uh, tend to use these huge terms that people find intimidating. They think, I, I can't read this. Yeah. And so what we did with the small business handbook, we simplified it. And so with that, what we found with the translators is that they were able to find terms um, in, in Isizulu that existed. I did find, though, that there were certain terms where it's, I would say it's uh, it's Zulungish, you know, okay. um, be, because I worked with translators. I didn't necessarily work with academia. So um, one of the translators, um, she translates um, in parliament. And so um, so we worked with her. But what was interesting, though, was seeing the two translators um, argue between themselves and, and, and one saying, no, this is how it should be said. And the other person would be like, no, this is how it should be said. And also seeing how they got to a consensus when they were like, okay, fine. And within this context, this is how we can put it. We'll agree here. And we'll agree over here. So, uh, I, I wouldn't say that we have created new terms. Mm-hmm. Um, we did try to get hold of um, lecturers at UKZM, but we, we struggled and that's why we eventually kind of went with um, professional translators um, to translate the book. So, and this is a question that I was going to ask, but someone's saying on WhatsApp, um, hi, Gogs, can you please connect me with your guests? I once tried opening a consultancy business a few, a few years ago, but it failed due to lack of funds. I need her guidance. So, you know, so this particular person wants to get mm-hmm. in touch with you. And if someone is looking to get in touch with you, what can you help them 
with? Because, of course, you, you don't provide, for instance, funding. Yeah. That's not what you do. So if someone were to come to your business, what is the kind of uh, problem solving you can help them with? So I think um, particularly with people who are starting up, what I, I tend to, to do with startups is kind of work around the business model mm-hmm. to get them to think about, okay, um, is, is, is the idea viable? Have you really thought through exactly who the customer is? What are you going to do? And, 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 and stuff like that. So I really work through the business model canvas to really kind of help them think through their idea. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, for any startup, somebody thinking of, um, starting a business, that's how I can help. And I think for me, Starting um, writing the book was also kind of shifting away from consulting directly with startups and small businesses because of them, they can't afford consulting services. So um, what I will also tend to do is then guide people to the right programs because there are so many existing programs out there that actually provide these services for free. And I think a lot of people don't know the programs. And um, and so that's what I would also do with the person is meet up with them, understand exactly what they need, and then also guide them to the right places that they can go to. How do they get in touch with you, but also how do they get a copy of the Small Business Handbook? And how much does it go for? So they can get in touch with me at nogoazi at matoyana.co.za. The book is available um, to order on our website um, at um, www.matoyana.co.za. We have an online store there and we deliver for free across the country. Mm-hmm. And the book is two ninety five. There's no delivery fee. Wow. Yeah. That's a really um, good deal. Because for us, it's about making it accessible. Yeah. So um, we really just looked at the, the pricing to see, you know, we want people to be able to afford it so they can get it. It's also available as an ebook on snaplify.com. So they can um, look for it over there. And they can also get hold of us on our Facebook page, Matoyana. Yes. So that's M-A-T-O-Y-A-N-A, African Business Innovation. And the website is matoyana.co.za. Nokwazi, thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you, Kuku. Thanks for the invitation. And the handbook is called The Small Business Handbook, and it comes both in Zulu and English. Yes. Both second edition. Yes. Uh And you can find it at matoyana.co.za. When we come back, your latest eyewitness news.